In a hip cafe in Los Angeles, California, a customer marches up to the female owner and demands an answer. Why do you own this beautiful cafe, but you don't own who you are? Shocked and unable to answer right away, Billy Lee, now an advocate for transgender people, decided to close the doors to her business and face the world as a proud transgender woman. I knew I couldn't go back. You just put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to live. Just dug even deeper. Luck is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to tick it before you kick it. When you're different than another person, you do kind of make people feel uncomfortable. And guess what? That's my mission, is to make people feel uncomfortable. I can educate them. I can inspire them. Billy Lee is a reality star in the very popular Bravo series Vanderpump Rules, where she works as a hostess at the famous Hollywood restaurant called Sir. Billy is also a groundbreaker and activist who is part of a community few people fully understand. So it was a privilege to be able to sit down and talk to Billy about her incredible journey from childhood as a boy to being proud and open to the world as a woman. In this podcast, Billy Lee opens up and shares the intimate details of what it's like navigating the world as a transgender. I am with Billy and we are in Los Angeles, California. So, Billy, I was just saying, it seems that we both have this thing where we're not really watching a lot of TV. <laughs> And yet, we're both on TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like when you're on TV, you don't have time to watch TV. Right. Yeah. So you're on TV, and I'm so sorry, but I have not watched Vanderpump Rules. And no worries. I keep hearing people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter has been talking about it. But for those people who are not watching your show, <laughs> what is Vanderpump Rules? Well, it's about a group of people that work at a restaurant called Sir in West Hollywood. And it gets just like kind of deeper into their lives. And I know a close, a lot of them started working there, I think seven years ago or eight years ago. So they're really close. And you know, the newcomers that come in, people are always being hired. I'm a host there. Yes. And at a time right now, especially being trans and coming from my trans experience, um, I need people to be aware, especially my coworkers and people that I hang out with and especially a platform that's on television. Yeah. Yeah. But all the more reason that you are represented, right? Yeah. Because uh, I work on a show that you probably haven't watched, which is called The Amazing Race, because you don't watch TV either. <laughs> I have seen like a couple episodes, but yeah, it's what season is it now? Uh, 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but we pride ourselves in having people who are different, you know, different races, mm-hmm. different backgrounds. We've had uh, a deaf person on the show before, an amputee, some amazing uh, amputee wow. athletes. Uh, I believe the first openly gay couple on television going back 2001 and and one of the things that we talk about is just how important it is to see people who are different yeah for whatever reason on television yeah and that's something I I guess you would agree with yeah I mean you know to be honest the cool thing especially with a lot of companies is diversity and you know we're not all just middle of America we're not all basic we're not all just one color We are very diverse, and I think it's important to highlight that. So that way people feel included. 
And, you know, I want to adopt someday. And I feel like I'm going to adopt from Haiti because I have that connection. And I have friends who have, you know, who are people of color, who have children of color, and they are scared for their own children. And I even fear that when I adopt a child, like, I have this deep connection with Haiti and I really want to adopt from there. But Why I, is it that you have a deep connection with I Haiti? I volunteered there years ago and I just fell in love with the people and I fell in love with the orphanage. And um, Lisa, she owns a few restaurants, my boss, Lisa Vanderpump, and one of her main guys, Richardson, he is Haitian and he, him and I just really connected and he knows that I want to adopt from there. And it's, it's something I've always known since I've left Haiti, that I would come back there. So. Again, okay. I just would love to people to have a little bit of an understanding of Haiti. Mm-hmm. It's a Caribbean island um, yeah. you know, in the in the Caribbean Sea there. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us something about Haiti that we might not know. Obviously, it's it's had a lot of heartache with the well, earthquake. Well, since the earthquakes and, and stuff, it's, you know, like a third world country. And, you know, they suffer and a lot of kids suffer. And um, there are certain religions and like kids, you know, that maybe if something's wrong with them physically, they could a lot of people think they might have a spell on them or they might be a witch or there's a lot of belief in voodoo and exactly and so a lot so the there's a lot of kids that are stuck in orphanages and that need homes and amazing women and and men and and people really do go there and help um bring awareness to haiti uh so you know i don't know i just fell in love with them and and i've always wanted to have a child and you know I'm from Indiana and I grew up with all white people and I remember watching the TV as a child and I saw Oprah Winfrey and I loved her color of her skin mm. and I loved the fact that she was different than my family than my friends everyone around me and I couldn't wait when I got to a certain age to move out I moved out of my parents house when I was 16 and I moved to a bigger town and I got my first fr- um, girlfriend of color and I was so excited to be a part of that and to explore her culture. Coming from Indiana, which is, yes, I mean, you think of Indiana, it's, it, it is a, a, a very, um, I don't want to say homogenized, but it, there isn't a tremendous amount of diversity in a place like that. Yeah. And it's interesting that you gravitated to something different, like, or that you were interested in people yeah. who were different. Well, because I felt different. I felt like I was being, I was ashamed of who I was. I was being picked on because I was very feminine as a boy. And my parents dropped out of school at an early age and they had addiction problems and, uh, you know, anger issues. And there was a lot of violence and fear in my household. And I, I think we're all, especially in America, I'm speaking for myself and in the Midwest, we're conditioned to be racist. My family, they put fear in you, like fear this person because they're this color and they have a different culture. And it comes from ignorance. They don't know it. So they're afraid of it. And I did this practice for myself and I, and I encourage a lot of people in America to do this. When I look at someone that's different than me, I find the beauty in them. Coming from a trans experience, I make people feel uncomfortable because they don't know exactly how to act or what to do. Um, Even in my friends, my guy friends of color, we went to a, a house party one time and he was the only black guy. He said, I feel weird. He said, I feel like they don't want me here. I feel like I'm, uh, th- I make them uncomfortable. And I was like, wow, I feel that way sometimes too. When you're different than so- another person, you know, you do kind of make people feel uncomfortable. And guess what? That's my mission is to make people feel uncomfortable. So you can edu- I can educate them. I can inspire them. Well, that's part of the reason, Billy, that I was really wanting to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Because it, through ignorance through a, a lack of exposure, all of us have 
whether we like it or not. We're, we all have these preconceived ideas about other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in my own family, when I think of my grandparents' generation and the generation after them, they were just not exposed to, say, people with dark skin. Exactly. I was because I grew up on the island of Antigua. But I remember hearing racist things from my extended family where I know these people and I know them to be good people, but the things that they were saying were so hurtful and so racist, Yeah. but they just didn't have that perspective mm-hmm. that I had. So it goes to the point that, again, it's about understanding and it's about exposure. And yeah. so you're, you really are like a pioneer because the transition that you have made is n- so new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's about exposing them to trying to get them to understand who you are as yeah. a person. But at the same time, you become a punching bag in a way, you know, like you, you when you are exposing and educating people, um, you do deal with a lot of ignorance. And, you know, we're just now in Hollywood. Hollywood is stepping up and, and having trans roles. Yeah. But they're also just now like putting women of color and men of color in movies yeah. and leads. Yeah. And this is important. We need that. Affirmative action yeah. is needed if only to be able to say to people, hey, these people exist. We can't ignore them. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's, I'm just wondering why, Billy, why, why are people so threatened by people who are different? Why is it that we care so much about who someone loves or how someone identifies themselves? Yeah. Why, because do we, why do we do that? Being different is the future. Being different is powerful. And being mediocre and basic and, and white and small-minded and closed-minded, that's, that's the past. And people are afraid of losing that. People are holding on to these old thought patterns and these conditions, and we're done with it. In the black culture, a lot of men cannot be bisexual, they cannot be gay, they cannot be attracted to trans women. It's like not a thing. And it's this toxic masculine energy that is, or it's like they're being brainwashed. It's conditioned over and over that you can't be gay. You can't be feminine at all. Don't show any feminine energy. Even me as a child in middle of America, white, I was not allowed to show my feminine energy. I was told that I was wrong and I needed to act more like a boy. It's history of being conditioned over and over. I even am conditioned to compare myself to people. I see a pretty girl in a magazine. Well, why am I not that petite and small? And So um, even you have these precon- preconceived ideas about how oh, the world works. Yeah. Even though you're well, very look around obviously everywhere we look, a magazine, TV, if they're only showing pretty, really skinny white girls on TV yeah. and magazines, that's what we are comparing ourselves mm. to all day long. Yeah. Which but, is changing, thank God, you know? But I feel like a lot of us who are really encouraging inclusion and diversity, um, you know, we suffer because uh, we're constantly working. I have a lot of my trans friends who are activists and. And sometimes we just get exhausted. And you know, the other day I um, heard about Malaysia Booker. She was recent, she's a trans woman and she was beaten. She got into a little tiny car accident and a bunch of men in Texas um, went up to her car and she was afraid because as a trans woman of color, you are so likely to be murdered and beaten. And so she was afraid, so she drove off and they got her off the road, got her out of the car and they saw that she was trans because if she was a cis woman, they wouldn't have beat her like that. And they saw that she was trans and they offered her someone $200 to beat her up and they filmed it. I was so heartbroken because every 
I'm, I'm every day I'm you know I'm an activist and I'm working on a show called Transcontinental and we are shedding light on how trans people are treated in different cultures around the world. Where can we see this? It's in the works right now. Okay, but my producing so partner sends me a lot of stuff. We're constantly doing research. So my mind is always seeing what how trans people are treated and so how you're, awful you're it exposed is. I mean you're 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 purposefully seeking out some of the worst things that are happening. Which has yes. obviously got to be very emotionally draining. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm fighting for my community who is suffering, who are trying to be erased by our government. We have 15,000 jobs on the line with the mil military ban. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. so hard for a trans woman and a trans man to get a job. Yeah. It, our unemployment rate is three times higher than the general population. I struggled so hard when I first transitioned. I started the hormones. I people couldn't put me in a box. Is that a boy, is it a girl? They were really confused. And when mm -hmm. society's confused, they're like, no, we ain't dealing with it. I, I wanted to read this uh, quote of yours. You said, the, the, the journey to self-love brings you down a dark alley of emotional energy, like shame, guilt, and abandonment. And if I want to fully love myself, I'm a, I must begin where it all started. My name is Billy Lee, and I am a transgender. I was born and raised as a, as a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see you welling up a little bit when you when you hear that because in in your short life you've been through so much, mm -hmm. uh, and I I also know that you're exposed to so much pain mm -hmm. uh, every, every day. How how do you? It's such a I don't want to say the word commitment, but it's it's such a a big battle that you've taken on. Yeah, it, it must be incredibly hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Where you just feel like the, it's glacial, the change, the, the attitude uh, changes are glacial. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I first transitioned and after all the surgeries, I saw how society accepted me. I was attractive. People could tell that I was a female. So they, you know, I had opportunities. I got jobs. Everything just shifted for me because I was physically attractive and I was fully female. And I decided, you know what? Wow, society's not beating me up. I feel good right now. I feel like I'm the cool kid on the block. I'm gonna hide out and I lived a stealth life, which means you're trans, but you pretend like you're cis, like you're born female. And I did it for three years. I dated men, didn't tell them. I owned a restaurant, didn't tell my customers. And I had the best time in my life. I was so at peace with, I just felt good in that moment. And then it got to a certain point where <clears throat> men would ask questions about my high school. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm lying. I'm lying to people that I love. And then I saw my trans brothers and sisters who I kept distance from because I didn't want anyone to know that I was trans. I saw them suffering. And I, I would see trans people come into my restaurant. And I saw this one trans woman who was pretty beaten up and she was homeless. And I'm like, what am I doing? I could use my voice to help move and help trans people be visible so we're normalized and we're accepted and we're not suffering anymore. So I did this amazing thing by selling my restaurant and I came out three years ago, almost exactly three years ago, on the 20th will be three years. And I started blogging and just writing and I started writing that, exactly what you read and I started living my truth and I felt really, really liberated and really powerful and then I started at sir and I started the fight just got even more intense and then Trump got in office and it got more intense and now I feel like having a nervous breakdown sometimes because it's so intense all I see is and people are like Billy why are you focus on the negative and I'm like if you only 
if you've only seen what I see every day as an activist, I'm, a, I'm on the board of Equality California. When you're on the board of organizations, including Flux, which is a branch from the AIDS Health Foundation, you see the suffering. I'm on these boards so that way I can see what's going on and I can help make a difference. And I can shed light on Equality California because they're doing so much for us. I mean, I'm just think, thinking, reading back into to your background and where you, where you started this journey, the idea that you could have just lived that lie, you could have just enjoyed that for longer than the three years that you did, mm-hmm. but you didn't, you know, that you yeah. made that bold uh, stand. And, and that, I think, speaks to your strength, even though it's very, very difficult. Um, where a lot of prejudice comes from is just, as I said before, ignorance, right? Yes. So that's one of the reasons to have you here, to, to be able to talk to you openly and ask questions that maybe we just don't know because we don't know how, to, people don't know how to ask certain questions. But let, let's go back to when you were a boy. You said that you knew that you had certain interests in life or that, that you were different mm-hmm. as a boy and you didn't feel necessarily comfortable in your own skin as a boy. Would that yeah. be fair to say? I was very, I just had a lot of feminine energy. Yeah. Like my voice was light. I, I, people would mistake me as a girl. They're like, oh, your daughter's so pretty to my mom. And she'd be like, that's my son. Like she mm. was very ashamed. Like don't, you know, my family was just didn't know what to do with me, but I loved everything feminine. If I saw something pink and pretty, if I saw a Barbie doll, I just loved, I was so attracted to feminine energy and I loved expressing it. But then at an early age, I think it was when I really found out that there was something wrong with me, it was an Easter egg hunt. But it wasn't something wrong with you. No, but my parents and everyone around me was when, like, when, when you realized that people were saying something was wrong yes, with you. Yes, exactly. Right? Um, thank you. No, I just that. wanted to say that because there's nothing wrong with you at all. Thank you. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're fine just the way yeah. you are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so when I, I won an Easter egg and I got to pick a prize, a big prize, and it was like the girls tent and the boys tent and I was aiming right into the girls tent I I saw this pink bike I was so excited about it the pink bike yeah and my dad picked me up and Pat we passed the girls tent I was screaming and yelling for the girls tent and I had to get like a yellow and red dump truck bike it was like with a radio on it and I realized at that moment like everything that I wanted and I, I really couldn't have and I had to act a certain way there was something that just switched off with me there and I realized that I was, for my parents, I was choosing the wrong thing. And um, and then it just got worse when I went into grade school and high school. I was um, bullied so bad in middle school that I ended up losing two years of school. I, I think I missed fifth grade and sixth grade. Um, I missed a lot of days where my teacher had to call a meeting and um, she switched classrooms for me and then she watched over me and thank God for my teachers because I don't know where I would be they really saved me but I was it was so intense that I had childhood depression and I couldn't go to school and then I had a brother who was a year younger than me and because I was missed so much school I was held back a year and he was in the same classes as me and he would hear the rumors at school and then he would take it home to dinner and then he would tell my parents so I I was you were you were getting picked on it at home and at school. Yeah. You felt ashamed? I felt ashamed, yeah. And I'm realizing, I realized recently with um, my therapist that shame is, I'm very angry sometimes and shame is the root of it. And I, even as a child, I would physically harm myself. Do Do you feel shame now? Yes, it still comes up, yeah. Really? And how, how does it manifest itself? 
Like what, what triggers the shame? When I date guys who are cis and they're ashamed of being with a trans woman publicly, a or lot of times- Who are cis, you said? Yeah, so you are cis because you were born and you're born male and you identify with being male. Yes. Um, so it's the opposite of trans, transgender. Got and um, so I, you know, it comes up when I date men. Um, it happens to be an issue. I dated men and I was a secret. Um, they would, you know, love to hang out with me at the house or in private areas, but not necessarily in public. And then now I'm trans and I'm famous. So it's really difficult sometimes to date. Um, but you know, shame comes up all the time. Mm. And I think I've done ayahuasca. I've done a lot of journeys of healing, a lot of medicine, um, therapy. I've read so many self-help books and you think, wow, got life conquered. I'm good. I don't have any more shame. And then something smacks you across the face and you're in a puddle of shame. So when you were at high school, Billy, was the assumption or your assumption, I don't know, that you were just gay? I mean, that, that, yes. you, that you just thought, oh, I just like guys or I like, I like feminine things and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm gay? Well, I'm attracted to men and I was identifying as a boy because yeah. the doctor, even my parents brought me to a doctor and they said, your kid is very feminine. I even had um, breast tissue. And they, the doctor was. So they, could they, how did they explain that? Just because of, of the the, the uh, just your genetic makeup? Yeah. And it, here's the thing: is it was you know almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, more than 20 years ago, and I would say actually it was like 30 years ago because I'm 35, maybe, you know, a little less. And my doctor at the time was like in his 70s, mm. so he had no idea. I my parents didn't know about trans. I didn't know. He wouldn't no one have been knew. exposed to any exactly. of this in his life. So there, I was just misdiagnosed. Right. I was diagnosed as uh, your son might be gay. So I grew up being told, you know, you're gay. You're gay, right. and I was attracted to men. So I, I was like, okay, and I had my first gay relationship, my only gay relationship with a man, and it was funny because he shamed me for being feminine. He hated the fact that I shaved my legs. He hated the fact that I wore makeup and, and then I liked wigs and stuff. And I would do drag and, and he didn't like it. So I went from one shameful situation with my parents. I moved out and then got into a relationship of shame. Was he older? He was a few years older than me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was in college and I was just graduating high school. Or I was, it was around graduation of high school. I think maybe I was in 11th grade or something. Um, but you know, that was really difficult for me. And then when I ended that relationship and I moved away for school, I really started digging deep with my with my journey. And I went to Chicago first because I wanted the ultimate goal since I was a little kid was to have my own talk show. And, and inspired by Oprah Winfrey. Exactly. Your love yes. of Oprah. And I just love hearing other people's stories. And I really want a platform where I can educate and inspire yeah. through other people's stories. And um, so I went to a broadcasting academy in Chicago, <clears throat> had an internship at a couple places, including Jerry Springer. And um, the news station said, oh, we can't hire you after my internship. They said, you're just too feminine. And you were, this is a small town. You in knew, a way, it's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the time I was like, wait, this is my dream job. And you know, you, as a reporter, you have to start in a small market, which Absolutely. means small town. And build up, yeah. Yeah. So I shaved my head and try to act more masculine. And every time I was How'd forced- How'd that go? <laughs> literally every time I was asked to be more masculine, yeah. the suicidal thoughts would come back. Uh, like the feeling of, I can't do this. I would try, I'd just have this great you. idea. It just wasn't me. Right. So I stopped everything. I finished school. I moved to LA 
and met a guy at a bar and he said, I told him my story. He said, sweetie, you're trans. And like that, something went off. And who was this off. man who said that? I don't even know him. <laughs> some, some random guy, we were having a drink. He said he was psychic. Who knows if he was? But I told him my story. And I think because I was in the freedom of Los Angeles, in the vibration of Los Angeles, where yeah. you can really be yourself. And it just, something happened where it clicked for me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm born in the wrong body. I'm female, like my mind, my spirit, my energy, everything that I want to express is feminine, but I'm trapped in this masculine body. So how, what's the best way to describe to someone the difference between someone, just in layman's terms, to help people really understand mm -hmm. this, <clears throat> the difference between someone being feminine or being, and being gay, and then being feminine, but then feeling like you're in the wrong body, like it, it, just the difference. Well, I have very feminine gay man friends. Yes. And they love their penis. Right. And they, you know. They love being a man. They love being a man, right. even if it's feminine. And they and love expressing their feminine energy. Right. I really, really loved expressing my feminine energy, but I had issues with my parts, my right. private parts. It didn't feel like they belonged to you? It didn't Would that feel be like, fair? Yeah. It, it got, the more I wanted to express my feminine energy, the more I disliked my body. It almost took away from your femininity yeah it wasn't a part of mm -hmm. it and then once i realized oh my god this all makes sense i had the advantage of having surgeries to express my feminine energy as much as i wanted to do and that was altering my body and i decided to do that and i went all the way i went to thailand had my sexual reassignment surgery had my facial feminization surgery here in beverly hills and then recently last year we filmed it i had body contouring and breast augmentation can I ask you, Billy, can you be trans and still be okay with having your penis? Absolutely. That, yes, so, you can. So there, it's not a, there's no black and white explanation of what trans yeah. is. This is just a, this is skin. Yeah. This is just a physical body, it's skin. And there are a lot of trans women who have breasts, who are very feminine, and still actually enjoy their penis. Right. And because they identify their mind, they identify as female, they are female. So the most important part of, of identifying yourself as trans is more about what's up here yes. rather than the physical part. Exactly. That can manifest itself in many exactly. ways. And the physical part is how do you want to play with it? How far do you want to go? Right. I love being feminine. I love playing with it. I love putting on makeup. Even, you know, drags, they put the pads in. They express all this crazy curves and feminine energy. It's how far you want to go with it. But it's up to you what you decide and who you decide and no one else should tell you that. Okay, so when you realize that you're not comfortable with the way that your skin is designed, so to speak, mm -hmm. and the way you were born, this decision to, to then make alterations to, your, to yourself physically, because mm -hmm. uh, obviously you got to, you're dealing with two things, right? Yeah. You've got to get this right, you've got to get, yeah. for you, you want to get your body right. So tell us about that journey, where that started, because this is a, big thing Billy right I mean a lot of people they might not understand how could you do this to your body that's how you were born why would you want to yeah. change the way you were born yeah so explain the physical part of it the decision to do that you know I see people get nose jobs I see people get piercings I see people get tattoos that's true you're allowed to express as long as you're not harming someone else right you know you're allowed to express who you are that's a good point Billy I never thought about it that way like the penis is no different than making a change to your nose yeah <laughs> I've got too much nose I yeah. want to get, get rid of it um, exactly okay but I guess um I mean look we I mean if you want to go there we make holes to put things through our ears yes. and earrings 
I made a hole so something can go in it. Right, so you could be intimate with yeah. someone. You, you wanted that intimacy. I wanted it, and it's great. Uh, and so you said you went to Thailand for this for this surgery. surgery. Yeah, Thailand, you know, I had to look. I researched a lot and manifested a lot. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why I'm here today in Los Angeles and who I am is because I manifested. And um, I saw um, the most amazing work done out of Thailand and it's like, you know, you go to Beverly Hills to get a boob job, yeah. you go to Thailand to get a vagina. You wanna be going to the right surgeon, you wanna be going to the right place, so that's where you go, Thailand, that's the place. Yeah, for me it was. I found a really great doctor, I really loved the way his work was. There's also two different techniques with sexual reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. One is inversion, and one is where they take everything apart. My doctor took everything apart, recycled everything, and makes a beautiful vagina also explain the, the difference then so uh, it, well it, i'm not a surgeon so i can't like but go in layman's crazy terms there. yeah mm -hmm. it, it, um so one is cut and then inverted right. so it's so still attached so you, it, you use it's just like you kind of pull the penis inside out and yes. pull it into the body mm -hmm. okay and then the other one is where he takes everything apart and then he reconnects, he builds it from scratch and reconnects um, the nerves. Trying to keep, right, I was gonna ask that, trying to keep the nerve endings so you have the sensitivity still. Which is the nerve endings he puts all in my clitoris. I see, so mm -hmm. wow. So, and, and how much has that surgery evolved? Uh, because I guess, you know, like with anything, like with, with open heart surgery, they're getting better and better at doing these surgeries. How much has it, has it evolved? in recent years like it's are they great. just getting better and better at it it's getting better and better like everything you know i have to say like for trans men bottom surgery um it's, it's still really difficult for them you know it's a really intense surgery for them it's i don't want to say easier but um how does that work they use skin grafts from arms or the thighs yeah. to um build a penis and then they try to obviously keep again the clitoris or the sensitivity that that they use the same nerves and they put it at the, at, in a section of the penis. So yeah. like a, you know, honestly, See, this smell. is why you're here, Billy, because the more we understand, <laughs> no, but I mean, these are things that are, it's, it's, and I appreciate yeah. you being so candid and telling us because how do we, how do we, if we don't hear it directly, yeah. it's, it's hard to know these things. Well, I think transformation is really interesting. I'm, I'm doing a podcast with Dr. Drew. He's producing it. Yeah, I've been called, on his uh, show yeah, before. He's interesting. He's great. Um, we're doing a podcast called Transformational Tuesdays, and I'm interviewing people about transformation, if it's spiritual or if it's gender yes. or if it's weight loss. So I dated a trans man before, and I was really intrigued. I really enjoyed his body the way it was, but he has the right to change it, whatever. Yeah. And he really wanted the surgery, and I supported him. Um, and then I have trans men friends that... Um, you know, have told me the experience and have gone through some difficult things because it is a really difficult surgery for both of us, trans women and trans men. Do do you have to go through counseling? Do they is it is it a compulsory thing where they say, look, we've got to sit down with you and we have to give you a exactly. psychological evaluation? Yeah, you do have to be evaluated. And you do have to have a signature. And and how does that work? Where, where do you get that from? You find the doctors. I mean, a lot of you have referrals. Even if therapists will refer you refer you someone. Um, Actually, my doctor was trans. He was a trans man. Huh. And um, so they get it. They, they <laughs> get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they get it. We um, we have a lot of amazing people out there. You know, trans people are working everywhere. They're doctors. Yeah. They're well, of course, they're in the military. Yeah. yeah. Like it's 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 and, insane. and they're in places that we don't even know they're in. Meaning like just mm -hmm. as you were living this life for three years, 
Nobody knew that that was yeah. you. You know, they didn't know your history. They just yeah. saw you as a woman. I had to do a PSA a couple of years ago where I was like, I'm trans and I can be a nurse. I'm trans and I can do this. It's like, we have to tell the people that we can have a job. Mm -hmm. Like we have to tell the people that we can be employed and we can be a surgeon and be an actor. It's like, we, I have to do this kind of work all the time where I have to tell people that as a human being, as a trans woman, I'm allowed to do this. It's crazy. This, this decision, I mean, and, and I understand why they want the evaluation because they want to make that sure that someone is exactly stable yeah. and that they're making this decision on their own free will and, yeah. um, and it is a big commitment. And the percentage is very small if someone says, oh, I woke up one day and I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a female. It's right. very, very, very small. Yeah. And you have to consider that there are some serious issues, you know, when it comes to mental health. And that's why we're evaluated. We right. have to make sure that this is something that you really want and you really feel and that you need because it's a life or death situation. You know, I, I am less suicidal and less depressed because I got to express, I get to express who I am. Yeah. It's still a challenge. It, I still have days where I, I can't get out of bed and I still have days where, I mean, even more recently, um, because of everything that's going on and all the work that I'm doing and also being part of Vanderpump, I find myself angry and want to harm myself in like the littlest ways where I'm like, why am I feeling this way? I haven't felt this way since I was a kid. So now I'm like back into therapy and, and thinking about my mental health because mm -hmm. it's really important. And sometimes I work so much, I'm focused on the trans community, I'm focused on my career, I'm focusing on speaking that I forget about my mental health. And then I wake up one day and I'm manifesting, or not manifesting, but I'm daydreaming. Well, you're taking on a lot, Billy. You know, you're you're part of a, a, a community that is still not fully understood, right? Yeah. And so it's a heavy weight. It is. And yeah. you probably don't realize sometimes until you slow down. And then it's like, whoa, I just feel, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I have to say that there is a lot of amazing people out there that reach out to me and tell me how much I've inspired them and how like even teachers come that's up to gotta me. make you feel good yeah it feel that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and yeah. teachers come up to me all the time and they say my kids I have kids that are trans in class and they look up to you like you make such a difference in their lives and how does that make you feel it makes me feel so good it really is why I'm doing what I'm doing you know I could easily be hiding out but I'm doing it because I want to pave the way so other kids don't deal what I dealt with what do you think you, how different is it today, 2019, for a kid to identify as trans compared to when you were a kid? You're oh, you know, in your 30s now. Like, do you, are you excited about their future that by the time they're your age, they will be in a different world? Oh, totally. So you I feel have, it's going to happen? It's happening now as we speak. Everyone, all of this work is paying off. It's happening. I have a hairstylist, her daughter transitioned from female to male just recently and now he is like living this beautiful life mm. and she was so afraid she, her she was coming from fear and I said what's going on and she said I'm just so afraid that he won't be loved and I said he will I promise you and then I see her two months later and she's just full of light and she's like he's he's living the best life and I've been seeing I've seen you know, the younger generation living such a beautiful life but I'm also seeing a lot of it in really amazing cities like Los Angeles mm -hmm. it's still difficult in the Midwest it's still difficult when I visited home last year I felt the negative energy of the vice president um, and the administration not protecting him you know in California we have Equality California yep 
We have amazing government here in California that are protecting trans people. You go to Indiana, it's not there. They don't yeah. have the protection. But you also know that there are places in America where there's still racial issues and there's exactly. issues with people <clears throat> identifying as being gay or yeah. um, but I mean I'm on a mission minorities too. and yeah it's immigrants I mean where there's it, it exists across so many different platforms right I have to say that my hometown you know they've stepped up they love and support me my parents are my biggest fans they've become more accepting they are so more accepting and it's it's happening like you know we're planting seeds we're educating we're inspiring if I didn't think it wasn't worth it, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But yeah. I know it's worth it. I know we're making a difference. There's a huge shift happening, yeah. you know? But I also have to shed light on what's going on around the world. I mean, trans people are treated horribly in Brazil. Yeah. Well, in, you know, just recently, was, is it uh, Bahrain now, where if you're identified as being gay, that mm -hmm. you could be stoned to death? I mean, this is 2019, yeah. and really, you know, that, that sort of mindset really scares yeah. me. It's, it's, it's like they want to get rid of anything that is different from themselves. Yeah. Everybody's meant to just line up and be like everybody else. It's so sad. I mean, you know, like in Brazil, trans women are murdered left and right. Like 40% yeah. of all trans people that are murdered, it's like 40% of them are from Brazil. Hmm. It's insane. But then you go to Thailand and trans people are celebrated. Yeah. You know? Billy, again, just for understanding, explain to us what passing means what's what's that expression referred to well we don't try to use that in the community anymore but it's it, an old expression yes um but it basically means that um this person passes as being cis mm. so society doesn't recognize or know that they're trans so what is what what would be a better way of saying it now today i mean what would you prefer people said I mean, honestly, it's hard because even if someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, wow, you're so pretty, like, I wouldn't even known. But what happens to my trans sisters and brothers who you do know, or maybe they are still expressing their masculine energy, if a trans sister has more masculine energy than me, does that make them less than? Well, so I just avoid it at all times. I mean, I do say, like, you know, some of us I've heard say, like, oh, well, we blend in with society, so people don't know. Um, but, you know, if I say, oh, I'm passing, it's what happens, how does my sister over here feel if she doesn't look as feminine as I do? Right. Which, I would never want her to feel that way. Which goes back to when you, when, when you did make the, the, the transformation and you, and you realized that you could effectively live in a lie, um, meaning you could <clears throat> just pretend that you were just going to let everybody assume that you were a woman. Yeah. And you said, you know, society was finally accepting you for what they were seeing right not necessarily who you were and you felt like you'd finally made it and it, it was all a dream but then you made this that really difficult decision to openly express who you were was that part of identifying with those who maybe wouldn't be just accepted as a woman like they, they could see a difference yeah i mean it was a really scary time for me i remember like i would look at my social media all the time and if someone um like would notice that I tr was trans or called me out, I would get so scared and I would like delete the comment. And then I was like, what if the guy I'm dating finds out? Like I was just, I started living in fear again. Mm. And it really started happening when I started to date. And I just didn't want to live like that. I didn't want to lie. And again, like I said, I, I've seen, I started to see how the trans community was suffering. And I enjoy writing. Like I, I don't have as much time to write right now, but I enjoy writing and so I thought, I need to write my story. I need to write what's going on. And um, 
Yeah, that's what really happened. That's what really started it all. So how does it work? If you date someone who maybe doesn't know you from Vanderpump Rules mm -hmm. or doesn't know you're famous, they're just attracted to you as a woman, mm -hmm. uh, how does it work with a, with, with a relationship? Is that something you feel like you have to disclose to them? Or what, what I'm, I mean, it's a I question. Do. I, yeah. I do. My therapist told me, you know, you everything is female about you, so you don't have to, but I prefer to be open and honest about it because I am on TV and it is, a, you can Google me and it's very public that I'm trans. Um, you know, when I, I recently dated someone and I just asked him like, can you not Google me? Can you not like watch the show? Because it, that's an edited version of me and that's not really, you know, everything about me. And I like when people respect um, where they don't, where they try to get to know me for me and not Google or anything. So that's kind of where I'm at when I date. I tell them the truth, but I ask also to like respect my privacy, get to know me for who I am one-on-one -on -one together versus them doing all this research or stalking me online. Billy, tell us about the, the ceremony you had to thank the, the boy in your life. Um, oh, you're gonna make me cry. No. Well, it, it, it's so, uh, when I read it, I, I thought it's, it, it was so, um, it's so heartfelt re yeah. reading it, but you really felt the, the need to acknowledge this boy, right? Yeah, well, I think we go through life sometimes and I was just so ashamed of people finding out who that boy was. I was so ashamed of my past. And I realized that boy got me where I am. That boy went through so much in life and was so strong and got me exactly where I am today. So I thought, I need to honor that boy. Why be ashamed of him? Why, why, why be upset about it or be scared? So I went to my garage. I found all these old pictures that I was like afraid to even look at. And I put out all these old photos of me as a boy all through, as a child through high school. I lit candles and I cried over it and I thanked him and I loved him. And I just sent love. I just sent love because I didn't want to be angry or embarrassed or ashamed anymore. And you know, I, I wish I could have gone back and told that boy everything was gonna be okay. What, what would you say to him if you could go back? That everything's gonna be okay and yeah. that you are loved and you're beautiful. And in your mind now, where is he? Is he still with you or is he, is he in the past? Is he back in Indiana? Where, where do you think of him? Yeah, I mean, I. it's part of me, you mm. know? It's, it's, I don't really, I just suffered so much then and I was so ashamed and I don't know, it's just, I was so afraid of people to see that. Even like, you know, you go on Facebook and like friends will post old photos yeah. from high school. Well, I would, they can be embarrassing no, ma <laughs> no matter what yeah. you've gone through in life. Yes, Those terrible I, mullet haircuts I, and the, what were we thinking in the 80s, boy? I know, but I would literally like be so nervous. I'd drop my phone or my computer would fall over. I would be calling like frantic, like, what are you doing? Like yeah. I would cuss them out. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. why are you it, so right? ashamed? Yeah. yeah. It's sending love to all those places in your life that you are scared of. Billy, have you got people in your life who maybe found it difficult to understand what you've been through and then who have really transitioned themselves into being accepting? Oh yeah, my own family, yeah. My How does that make you feel? Because that's big for them too, right? It's so big. They're, they're you know, coming to it from their own mm -hmm. you know, upbringing and their yeah. own misconceptions about how the world works. Yeah, I dated a guy um, when I was living you know, 
uh, had the restaurant and I was living stealth, I um, told him after I think eight months of dating and it I was very close with all his friends and he was like a ex-basketball player, like a very guy's guy um, and he was devastated and it was like I dropped a bomb in his life. His friends stopped talking to me. He wouldn't look at me. He was a regular at my restaurant. He stopped going to my cafe. Um, I was so embarrassed. I was so afraid. I was so depressed. I would cry all the time. My roommate at the time would have to lift me off the floor. And then probably about four or five months later, he came around, came back around. We started hanging out again. And he said, you've completely rocked my world. Like I was so upset and so against trans people. Like I, he even told me this story. He's like, do you remember I told you this story how some trans woman sat next to me on the bus and I was like shaking and I just wanted to throw her to the other side of the bus. And I said, yes. And he's like, and you were trans the whole time. And I told him, I said, I was scared to death to tell you after I heard that story. And he said, I felt so ashamed for thinking that and for being that. And I can see how amazing you are and, and how much I love you. And it doesn't matter if you're trans. And so he made a huge shift. He went from complete fear and hate to love. That's like someone going from being like fiercely racist to going, hold on a yeah. second, what am I, mm -hmm. why am I racist? Yeah. And I, I, it was a shift in his entire friends group. They mm -hmm. all started accepting me again. And they all started having me around and they all started watching what they said. They didn't say the word faggot. They did. They were very careful. And I can tell sometimes it would be annoying that I was around because they had to watch what they were saying because I was changing something. I was making them better. And sometimes when you make people better and you make them more you know, open-minded and open-hearted, sometimes it's a, a challenge and people get annoyed by it. And, but it happened and it's happening now. People are changing their perception all the time. You know, so many of us activists, people who are visible, you know, visibility is key. It really is. And I think that's why Hollywood is so important is because Hollywood helps us be visible. Billy, what would you say to those who are really so far away from understanding you and what you've been through, those who are filled with hatred? If you could sit down and have a calm conversation with them to help them make a change in their their beliefs what what would you say I think it's getting to the root of the issue why are you feeling this way uh -huh. and then when they answer why and then when they answer why there's this deep root of fear that we are conditioned and brainwashed to hate people that are different Billy I, 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 I was asking you before what you would say to your former self when you yeah. were a boy what would the boy say to you what what would what would he think of seeing you here today? That's a hard one. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard. It's just could he have imagined? <sighs> could he have imagined that that this would happen? That you would be this strong woman? He would be so proud. Yeah. Well, you should be proud. I, 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 you, you've, uh, you've made choices that you think are right for you against incredible obstacles, and 
the thing is you're just really starting out on this crusade so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in another you know another 30 years from now <laughs> the, the 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 changes that you'll see in your lifetime right you mm -hmm. know that must excite you in some way again that you are a pioneer and that there's more and more awareness all the time yeah does mm. it does it with I'm all the negative proud. are you <clears throat> also excited about the potential for change yeah that's what i'm i'm so proud of i i'm so proud of my community yeah i love my trans community so much i don't get to like hang out as much i mean i have really close trans sisters that i get to hang out with but what do you guys where, where do you hang out is it do you guys go we to do, bars or what yeah do you, what? we do everyday regular things yeah. we paint at my house we you're a painter i mean i look at you i try right. to <laughs> it's a good way of channeling my energy you know yeah. especially when i'm frustrated um but you know we have mixers i have a really big brunch with billy at sir coming up and yep. um the organization flux is donating five thousand dollars so we get up to 80 to 100 trans people get a free brunch and drinks so i'm really excited because you know it's it's even myself i don't make a lot of money because as an activist we don't get paid a lot and i still struggle financially sometimes and i know my trans community is struggling so for flux to step in and uh give us five thousand dollars so we can have a brunch and have a party and my trans brothers and sisters get to come and hang out tell it's us really about cool. the, the campaign that you've got the um <clears throat> with is it regenix yeah is that how you say it? yeah regenix is a regenix hair company it's a hair company and i was <clears throat> what what is it i mean is it shampoos is it's it shampoo everything, conditioner damage control and then it's individualized treatments uh -huh. so you send in a hair sample yeah and um the office is actually here in Beverly Hills. Could I benefit from this? Uh, you totally could. could I, I tell everyone they could. Because okay. here's the thing, for me, I'm dyeing my hair all the time, I'm yeah. bleaching it, and with the hormones and like just a lot of things in life, even the way that I was eating before I become vegan, my hair was really fragile. It was always damaged, breaking off, thinning. And so I just was researching and I, everyone's always talked about Matthew McConaughey and his hair, and I realized he used Regenix. So I reached out to them and did this whole individualized. Has his hair got better? I, it's I, so good. Is it really? Yeah. yeah, you could even Google some pictures. It's amazing. Really? Yeah. And it, is it, is it a, a medication as well, or is it just No, it's topical, and they, so they, you bring in your hair sample, you can mail it in if you don't live in Beverly yeah. Hills, obviously, and they really examine it, and they find out exactly what you need, and then they personalize the kit, and then you do these treatments in the shower. Mm. Um, I, do, I do it in the shower, and then you also have the shampoo and conditioner, and then we have, we decided to partner up because I love them so much, and I said, you know, if I'm going to attach myself to any kind of campaign beauty-wise, I really want to do something to bring awareness to bullying, because I was really bullied as a child, and so now we're doing a bullying campaign that's coming out this spring. You are so busy, Billy, no what? there's no <laughs> way you're going to be dating in the next year. <laughs> I know, I'm I serious. Know. You're going to have to work out how to carve out a partner in your life. I, mean, I, I know. Know. Well, the cool thing is the Billy Bundle that we're doing for Regenix, um, and it's Beauty Has No Gender, which is really dope for me, um, a percentage of it is going back to Equality California. So okay. it's like this beautiful full circle a moment. Full circle, yeah. And then even with Alex and Ani, when I did work with them, now we're doing this really cute pride bracelet, um, and a percentage goes to Equality California. So I'm always trying to tie in my organizations with beauty and with different kind of campaigns so we can raise money. Billy, if people want to find out more about you, they want to know more about your story, or maybe they want to 
help you or they want to reach out to you for help because maybe there's a kid listening mm -hmm. where do they go to find you where's the best place well my instagram is it's me billy lee dot well my website's it's me billy dot com and my instagram is it's me billy lee it's me billy lee <laughs> here i am <laughs> yeah in all my splendor uh, billy we we end the the podcast with a couple of of questions okay the first one is if you were going to take a road trip and you were going to drive across America and you could take three people uh, who are alive or dead from the past or the, <clears throat> that are living now, who would you take in the car with you? Three people yeah. across the country. From any time in history. From any time in history. Well, I would probably say Oprah Winfrey for sure. Okay. Maybe Amy Schumer too, because how funny would that be? Like Oprah and Amy together? Yeah. I think that I, would be funny. I mean, Amy with anything. It was funny. Yeah, Amy with anything. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> very, very funny. Um, and then, honestly, probably Tom Sanderball. Because he's like, wherever, we went to Coachella recently, and we were like, he's like the person you take on a trip. He's the person that, he takes care of you. Like, he takes care of you. He's so fun to hang out with, so fun to party Tell us with. Who Tom is. He's, um, he owns Tom Tom, and he's a bartender. He was a bartender at Sir. He's on Vanderpump. Ah, okay. So... So all the more reason he's I need one to of be my favorite humans. Okay. Yeah, he's my favorite human on planet Earth because he's so caring. He just takes care of people. He makes sure everyone feels good. Like he's just the guy to take on a trip, the guy to party with, and um, yeah. So those would be my three. It sounds like a hell of a car ride. <laughs> I think we should put some cameras in the car. Oprah Winfrey, Amy Schumer, and Tom Sandoval. Wow, who's, who's driving? <laughs> um. I could drive. Actually, no, I'm not driving. I do not like the responsibility of driving. I'm going to say Amy's driving. Yeah. yeah. Although she might be a bit erratic. I, 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 you know, I Tom's have... a good driver, actually. He drove us to, to Coachella. So yeah. I guess I could say... I love Amy, but I could just imagine her turning around and you know cracking a few jokes and maybe not focusing on the road. <laughs> right. The hands wouldn't be 10 and 2 on the steering wheel. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then, Billy, your, your, your last day on Earth. If you, if you knew you were going to live your last day on Earth and you could do whatever you wanted with that day... Where would you be? Who would you be with? What would you be doing? Uh, I would be with planet Earth. I would be hanging out like and just enjoying this planet. I think we have such a beautiful planet that we're destroying. And um, yeah, I would, I would want the closest people to me hanging out barefoot. I love being barefoot. I love grounding and earthing, they call it, um, with this planet. So just spending it outside with uh, people that I love, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you're an inspiration to a lot of people and, and I really appreciate you coming in and talking to us and opening up our eyes and really excited to see all the amazing things you'll do in the future. Thank you. But uh, you're, you're, you're definitely a maverick <laughs> and you're, you're breaking new ground. It's uh, one of the you. themes of of bucket and that's something you're doing in spades right now so i love that yeah thank you for making me cry all day oh i didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you i hope you enjoyed today's podcast to see more great interviews go to philcogan.com and subscribe to bucket with phil cogan wherever you get your podcasts please consider rating and reviewing us and follow bucket that's bucket with an it on instagram and facebook also, follow me on Twitter, at Phil Kogan. See you soon.